Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. and Lord, we have so much to be thankful for. And Lord, we have so many needs. And so we come before you asking you to accept our offerings of songs and praise to you and to your goodness. And Lord, that you would strengthen us and encourage us and empower us through your word to be your servants this week. We ask that this service would be acceptable as worship to the Most High God, our Lord and Savior, through Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. I still have this up. Yes, there it is. Uh, The total one-time giving was $461,473. Monthly support was... Uh, 111,696. That's at 93, $9,308 per month. The total giving was $573,169. And, uh, the way many of these things work is certain people get in touch. What happened with us two years ago when they took that very large offering for, uh, union, was uh, there was only about 130 pledged uh, at the meeting, but we actually received over 140. And different people got on board and sent money in. And so uh, it was uh, a very special time. We showed the video. In fact, the entire conference started with the video uh, about union. And uh, there were many churches that had given, said, we want to show that to our church. And so we gave them a link. And again, uh, uh, we don't want that posted anywhere, but we do want people to see uh, what the Lord has done. But uh, Brother Sam actually opened the conference with a quote by Dr. Art Wilson. How many remember, uh, this was back in 2000, so I mean that's 18 years ago now. Uh, Brother Mrs. Wilson came out there both with the Lord now. Uh, but uh, they, uh, he preached for us, but he made a quote in a sermon he preached on church planting. And here's the quote. Every church planting effort is a declaration of war. Uh, how many feel like you've been in a war zone for the last two years? Uh, I'll tell you, we have. Church planting and... Uh, and uh, uh, and just as much effort in saving a church, trying to keep union open. Uh, I'll tell you what, it, it just, that statement crystallized a lot of things. You just, uh, Lord, why did it have to be such a tough year? Well, here's why. Uh, we're declared war on the devil. You're not going to do that and not have some blowback, not have some pushback, not have some effort expended on his part to hinder what's going on right here. And so uh, we, we need to understand that, and yet I'll tell you what, the, uh, the way I, I have learned to express this is, listen, if you ever stop weeping when someone falls by the wayside or some tragic event happens, there's something wrong with you. But there's a whole lot more wrong if you allow that hardness, that oppression, that difficult situation to change or lessen your service for God. I mean, what a great Sunday school theme this morning. I mean, it was actually an opening for the sermon this morning. And you can't plan those things, but we trust that the Holy Spirit is in charge. And we just simply, because of everything going on at Union, have had to delay some things here at Open Door. We don't have any new banners for this year. We're going to get them. They're on their way. And I am preaching on one of our theme verses for this year. And that is First Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. And I would like you to carefully read this along with me as I read it out loud. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. 
Now, this is not the only sermon we're going to have on this verse. We're going to have several, but this morning I'd like us to get the big picture of what this verse is saying and investigate some of the context. And and oftentimes in the Bible, there's a whole world of knowledge. Sometimes one of the reasons people misunderstand the Bible is because there's a statement here, ye also as lively stones. Uh, I mean, there's a whole lot behind Peter making that statement. This is not just a, a, a new thought that is brought out all brand new. No, this is a, a completed thought. This is a summary thought of many other passages in, in the Bible. And if you want a, a title for this morning's message, and probably several more, it's simply Like Christ. You see, this verse starts out with, Ye also. Now, the word ye is plural. So, Peter is not talking to us as individual Christians. He's talking to us as a group. Now, that's important. That we keep the context of this thing. There are certain things in the Bible that are directed individually. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth. You can't get saved corporately. Salvation is an individual decision in your personal heart. It is the beginning of a life that God gives you. But... This passage is ye. This is plural. Now, let's do as we always do, and I, and I hope you uh, are, are following along here in, in your thought process as well. Uh, not only in preaching am I trying to bring forth the truth for us to think about, it's also a teaching process to help you learn how to read the Bible and understand it on your own. You can't take a verse all by itself. It's got to be in its context. So who is the ye that Peter is addressing here? Well, let's go back to chapter 1 and verse 23. It says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Okay, so Peter is talking to those who are born again. Now, how are they born again? It says, not of corruptible seed, not of something which we do, not of something which man has a hand in, but of incorruptible. The incorruptible seed is the Word of God. If you are saved today, it is because someone brought you a message from this book. You cannot get saved without the Word of God. This tells you how. Somebody said, well, they they didn't open a Bible when I got saved. Yeah, but they quoted Scripture if you got saved. Because how would you know to call upon the name of the Lord if they didn't tell you what the Bible said? Amen? And, And some people have said, well... Listen, you can only get saved if someone uses the King James Bible to lead you to the Lord. Well, we're not going there. God's Word is God's Word in every language and in any tongue. And though we refuse to use these modern translations, there's still enough gospel in them that you can learn how to get saved. But once you get saved you would want to discard the imitation or the dumbed-down version. Um, Many times people will get the children's version of the classic literature so they can say, I've read Dickens. Well, or the Reader's Digest condensed version. Uh, Oh, just love that stuff. Uh, Just to add water and what will you have? A mess. That's what you'll have. Uh, if you want to understand the Word of God, it also tells us something here, which liveth and abideth forever. Who's that talking about? 
It's talking about this book, yes, but it's also talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? You see, you cannot separate the living word from the written word. These are his words. That's how we're saved. And there's an eternal concept here, an eternal context to these verses. It says, which liveth and abideth forever. And we go down to verse 25. It says, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Now, people have made all kinds of crazy statements like, Peter never believed that he was actually giving God's words. You got to go to school to be that dumb. I'm sorry. You, that kind of ignorance doesn't come by chance. It's on purpose. You have to be trained to be that foolish. Peter says the word abideth forever here. It endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. It's the same words. You see, when, when we talk about being like Christ, that's what we mean. Now, years ago, uh, a fellow wrote a whole series of books, and I guess somebody turned them into movies, and they've been put out in comic books, and you can get little bracelets. WWJD. How many of you know what that stands for? Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, most people do. What would Jesus do? Now, let me tell you what Jesus would do. When he met a blind man, he made him see. When he met a lame man, he made him walk. When he made a, met a deaf man, he made him hear. Anybody in here trying out for Benny Hinn? I hope not. Uh, and by the way, Benny Hinn has never made anyone see or anyone hear. Benny Hinn has never done. Uh, and Oral Roberts and uh, all the other, uh, I call them fake healers, not faith. F-A-K-E, not F-A-I-T-H. Uh, because there's nothing about faith in these guys driving around in limousines and living in mansions while everybody puts money in the offering plate and gets excited. That's, that's not what it's about. You see, you can't do what Jesus did. In fact, the only thing you can do that Jesus did, the only thing you can do is go find a Baptist preacher and get baptized. That's the only thing you can do that Jesus did. But we're supposed to be like him, aren't we? We're supposed to take his message to the world. And so when we get down here to, to, to verse 5, it says, ye also. Now, the context here is in those that are saved. The context is in the perpetuity of the gospel. Now, that's a big word, and it just simply means... The quality or state of being perpetual, endless, or indefinite duration or existence. Uh, we believe in the perpetuity of Jesus' church. Why? Because in Matthew chapter 16, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, let's go back and pick up the context. That doesn't mean that churches aren't going to endure affliction and hard times, that, that they're not going to have some setbacks, that there's not going to be um, some difficulties uh, that we have to face. I mean, I think of what we've gone through, nothing compared to what Union Baptists went through. Decades and decades and decades of decline until there was only one man left. The only way the Union Baptist Church held services for the last 30 years, up until week before Christmas, was that they met with other churches. They met with Greenpoint Baptist Church for about 25 years and Open Door Bible Baptist Church for just a little over two. Now they're holding their own services. Isn't that amazing? 
Uh, that is a victory. But victories are not without strife. How much contradiction did Jesus endure from sinners against himself, quoting Hebrews chapter 12? We're supposed to think about that. We're supposed to keep that in mind as we face difficult times. And Peter puts it in context for us, and I want us to to uh, uh, get, get the big picture here. So we get down to verse 1 of chapter 2. And it says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. I'll tell you one of the great joys of this past trip was getting to hold little Julianne Hainline. And, uh, oh, she is sweet. Wow. Even her other grandmother, uh, Mrs. Hainline, on the other side said, she's a beautiful baby. Most babies aren't. And, and, and I mean, newborns, she's just a week old. Newborns are usually a little on the ugly side now, aren't they? Ad- admit it. Uh, they come out kind of strange. I like to call them little beings from inner space. Uh, because they don't look quite human, but uh, uh, we know where they come from and, the, and they grow. But boy, uh, little Julianne, I mean... As newborn babes, desire ye the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. You know, one of the hardest things to deal with in Christianity is a word called pretense. Is people doing the right things for the wrong reasons. And that hurts. It goes against everything that a Christian ought to do and be. One of the things that I have striven for as the pastor of this church is to try to keep us away from pretense, away from personalities, away from uh, all of these political things that sometimes get inside a church and cause strife. Uh, the Corinthian church, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos. And I'm not even going to name the names of different people that uh, people follow today or have followed in the past because uh, I, I want to keep you ignorant of all of that thing. We want to stay away from personalities except for that of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And, and sometimes we just need to understand if, if you're saved... How did you grow? You had to get rid of your understanding of Christianity before you were saved. And you had to allow the Word of God to reformulate everything that was in you. Amen? It's hard to understand. I was religious all my life. I always felt close to God. But you were on your way to hell until you got saved. Amen? What you had out there before your salvation isn't going to help you serve Christ. And we need to lay that aside. And we need to desire that sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. Now, I'll tell you, once you grow up, you want more than milk. But as an adult, every once in a while, I just enjoy a simple glass of milk just for the sake especially if you have a Tim Horton donut or something like that right there by it or some freshly baked cookies or, I mean, just a glass of milk. Or I'll tell you what's really good with milk. It's pizza, isn't it? And and, uh, it kind of deadens all those spices and things. But, uh, well, okay, we're, we're, we're digressing here. In verse 3, it says, If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. How many would say amen to that? How much of an exposition does that verse really need? If you understand what Jesus has done for you. Amen? If that verse is a mystery, I would challenge you, please. Let's set up a time when we could talk about that. But... We, we move on to verse 4. To whom coming as unto a living stone, 
disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Now, how many of you have cross-references in your Bible? Uh, My Bible here has got a little line right down the center, and it's got little tiny letters that I can hardly read even with my readers on and all these verses that are connected. Now, those things are by no means uh, infallible. Sometimes they cross-reference you to things that have no connection whatsoever. But these statements that Peter is making, he is giving a commentary on many passages in the Word of God. And what he is doing here is he's saying, Ye also, ye, plural, the, the, the fact that this is also is that it's continually. This is a set pattern. We are not starting something new. Even when we start a new church, when we sent Brother Franz into the Bronx to start Morris Park Bible Baptist Church, we're not starting something new. We're copying something old. Very old. The the Baptist church, if you read history books and written by these people, oftentimes it will be said, well, the Baptist church echoes back to a very primitive and early uh, development of, of the church. The church has developed into so much more. And what they're talking about is the hierarchy in the Greek cathedrals and all of the uh, well, the actual word is hullabaloo. That's just a loud, nasty noise. Uh, because the gospel's gone from all those churches. We're, we're not here as a process of evolution. We are here doing what we are doing today as a process of imitation or copying. We have not added to the pattern that is in the Word of God. We're simply copying what was and is still there. Amen? One of the reasons why I we have always ended our services, this is just a, a little tradition at Open Door. Not many, Not every church does this. Uh, we've done this practically from day one, and, and we pick the same hymn. We end our service with a hymn. Take the name of Jesus with you. Now, Sunday night, we don't because that's a prayer meeting. It's a little different kind of service, but Sunday morning and, and Thursday night, why? Because when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper the night he was betrayed, how did they end that service? They sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. Well, I like that idea. And besides, it's very fitting because normally we have a preaching time, then we have an invitation, and, and uh, uh, then we have an offering and, and announcements, and, and then we sing on our way out. And I hope that you do take the name of Jesus with you when you leave this place. Uh, that's what we're supposed to do. Amen? Okay, I had one, two, any more? Amen? Oh, that's a little better. Uh, I want to make sure. I mean, we did a lot of driving this week, but I was sure I pulled up in the right place uh, last night and unloaded. Uh, so, listen here, and this is nothing new. But you know what Peter said? He said, I want to remind you about some things. And and we, we need to uh, not necessarily recommit, because we're already committed. Not re dedicate ourselves because we're already dedicated. But it doesn't hurt to just remind ourselves of why and what we're doing. You see, it's ye also. 
And so, here, let's just get a little bit of this context here. Let's go, uh, keep your Bible in Second Peter, um, First Peter, but let's go to the book of Psalms, Psalm 118. And I want to remind you that Peter did not have all of the Old Testament scrolls at his uh, availability. In fact, it would have been almost an impossibility for Peter to carry anything but very small portions of Scripture with him. Uh, the book of Psalms would have been divided up into five, six, maybe as possibly ten different scrolls. And those scrolls would have been about this tall. Some of them would have been over 60 feet long. How, how would you deal with such a book? I mean, you couldn't stick it in your pocket. Uh, you, you couldn't back... And, and the price of books in, and things in Peter's day was unbelievable. I mean, there was a time in medieval England when the library of a rich nobleman would have books. That was his whole library. And, and he would show that off and, and, and invite people to come in and look at a place where there were five books in the same place. Uh, that uh, we, we laugh. You go to the library today and I mean books and books and books and most of it's garbage, garbage, garbage. Oh no, this shelf... Is history lies, 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 rewrites, uh, political science, <laughs> uh, I, I, hogwash. No, no, it'd make the pig sick. Uh, hogwash is what you feed the pigs, and you you wouldn't feed them that kind of stuff. It, they wouldn't get any meat. Um, and, and yet, people go to college and they study and they write all of this worthless lies. And uh, we had the march the last two days, women's march. Uh, they're they're going to be. Uh, why wouldn't somebody ask them how much better are you off economically this year than last year at this time? No one will ask that question because I'll tell you what, all of these big shots up there talking, they all got stocks, and they're up 250 percent or something like that since uh, the stock market's gone up. Unprecedented in history. But they're not going to give that poor president credit for anything now, are they? You know why? Because he disagrees with their political ideas. He's against murdering babies. I've never been a great fan of President Trump, but I'm glad he's taken a stand against abortion. And I'm going to back him up every bit I can. And I'm glad he's taken a stand against communism and all of this appeasement of America going around and apologizing for being right. I'll tell you what, I'm glad about that and I'm praying for the man and I, and I insist that you do too. That you pray for our president. And, and don't forget to pray for our senators who are, are the leadership of the opposition. Pray for them. It's okay to pray that God will stop them. All right? It's okay to pray that God will confound them. You see, we have a pattern that we're trying to adhere to. And our pattern doesn't make allowance for murdering unborn babies. It just doesn't. Our, our pattern doesn't make allowance for promoting lies and foolishness. Because our pattern is Jesus Christ, and He is the truth. And we want to promote that truth. And we're not saying that Donald Trump promotes Jesus. We're not saying that at all. But where would we be with Mrs. President? Just think about that. Just think about where we would be. If Bernie Sanders were sitting in the White House. Those are terrifying thoughts to me. But let's get back to the sermon. I'm sorry. Psalm 118. I hope you're there. And we're going to read a few verses here, starting with verse 20. 
This gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter, I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. The stone which the builders refused is become the head of the corner, the headstone of the corner. The same, I mean, sorry, glasses just aren't working today. Verse 22, the stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. Verse 23, this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. That's the context that Peter is referring to. He, he's saying the stone which the builders rejected. Jesus is the stone which the builders rejected. Who were the builders? Well, it was the chief priest. Do you realize that in Jesus' day, when Jesus was living, that the man who was responsible for sprinkling the blood upon the white marble slab in the temple in Jerusalem on the Day of Atonement, there was no mercy seat. It was gone when Nebuchadnezzar's armies that we learned about in Sunday school would come back 20 years later and they would raise the city of Jerusalem to the ground the, the Ark of the Covenant has disappeared. The mercy seat sat on the Ark. We don't know where it is. Have no idea. Uh, uh, even to this day. And in the temple of Jerusalem on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would sprinkle the blood on a white marble slab where the mercy seat should have been in the most holy place of the temple. When Jesus said it was finished... How many of you remember what happened in the temple? He took that veil that separated the most holy from the holy place. And it was rent from top to bottom. That veil, the, the ceiling in that temple, we, from what we understand, was over 20 feet tall. That veil was over six inches thick of woven linen. Now, you stop and think about the strength of woven, intertwined linen, six inches thick. You could put two semi-trucks, the great big ones with the dual, uh, to call them twin screws, the, the ones that pull 80,000 pounds down the highway. You put them on each end of that thing and go in opposite directions, and unless you cut it first, you would never rip that material. Don't mess with angels. They're, they're pretty strong. God sent an angel down and ripped that veil in two. Why? Because the stone that was rejected by the builders is now the head cornerstone. You see, the Catholic Church loves to read Matthew chapter 16 and verse 8, it says, Upon this rock I will build my church, Peter. That's not the way you should read that passage. See, Jesus said, uh, Well, let's take a minute and let's look there because I'm going to misquote it with all this. Forgive me. Too many miles on the highway this week, but uh, Matthew chapter 16. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now, I, I want you to look up this way and, and let me read it, quote it to you the way that it's supposed to be. He says, Behold, thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Jesus says, thou art Peter. And upon this rock, talking about himself, he would build his church. You see, the reason we know it's that way is because in a moment we're going to go back to Second Peter. And we're going to find that pattern is established by Second Peter. But before we go there, I want you to turn very quickly to the book of Isaiah and chapter 28. Because Peter is quoting both Psalm 118 and Isaiah chapter 28. 
as he references these passages that deal with the work of Jesus Christ. And I want to challenge you that Peter did not have all of the scrolls and things that he could go through. There were no written tools as we have today that give all of the references out. Uh, there were no cross-references down the middle line of his scroll that he could uh, reference all of these things. The only way that you could cross-reference Scripture in Peter's day was to have it in your mind. You had to have these Scriptures in your mind and in your heart. And, of course, we understand that the Holy Spirit of God was directing, but, but Peter had to know these Scriptures so that the Holy Spirit of God could direct him. And so we get down to verse 16, and here's what it says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I lay in Zion a, for a foundation a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, he that believeth shall not make haste. Now, we'll go back and pick up the context in another sermon, but the context of Isaiah chapter 28 in a sentence was the children of Israel's misunderstanding of God's Word. How that they had taken one small step in error and another small step in error and another small step until at this point in time they were so far removed from the truth that God could not speak to them. And he says, I'm going to lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. I am going to reorient the understanding of the Jewish people to the Scriptures and that reorientation would be the person, the life, the ministry, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Of course, those very same leaders would reject Him. They would uh, refuse to believe Him and also had a part in the crucifixion of Jesus. Now, let's go back to First Peter here. And verse 4 says, To whom coming is unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. That's Psalm 118. Verse 6, Wherefore also it is contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a, cornerstone, a, a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded, shall not make haste. You won't have to run from what you believe. You won't have to scramble to find something better because you already have something that cannot be moved. Could I challenge you today as we just go through the basis of this verse that Peter had an excellent working knowledge of the Scriptures. That he was comparing Scripture with Scripture and he was tying things together so that we can understand the pattern that is being set here, that Jesus is the chief cornerstone, the living stone, the rock upon which His church is built. Then we get to verse 5, and it says, Ye also as lively stones. Now, I want you to understand that if we will get this passage, it will give us a simple understanding of some very difficult passages of Scripture. You see, one of the Scriptures that people love to take out of context is John fourteen twelve. Jesus is speaking. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. Now, every name it and claim it preacher loves that verse. I can do greater works than Jesus did. In fact, I heard an independent Baptist preacher talk about a special day that he had where he claimed that uh, they had 80,000 professions of, uh, of faith in one day. Or 8,000, I'm sorry. 8,000, not 80. That was another guy. He claims to have 100,000 every year. Uh, and... I want to tell you something. That's not what this verse is talking about. You see, Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He's the one we get every measurement from. 
He is the standard by which everything else is set. Amen? That's how the cornerstone works in the building. Uh, in, in the ancient building, they didn't have all of the laser levels and measuring and all of these things that we do. And we still don't build as accurately as the ancient builders did in many cases. You know why? Because they took every measurement from the same corner. And when you do that, things have to be square. They have to be right. If you And as a church today, we're to take every measurement from the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's what he says. He, Peter says, ye as lively stones, as living stones. Guess what? How long was Jesus' earthly ministry? Maximum three and a half years. Forty-two months, right? Yeah. That was the maximum length. Our church has been here 25 years now. Do you think that's what Jesus was referring to when he said, Greater works than these shall you do? Coming unto a lively stone? He's not talking about you going out and healing more people than Jesus did. If that's what he was talking about, then Benny Hinn's right now, isn't he? But Benny Hinn's wrong about everything. You see, the work that Jesus wants us to do is to serve him in his church. But he wants you to do it more than three and a half years. He wants you to do it your whole life. You know, one of the astounding things about the Union Baptist Church building as we begin to take it apart, number one was the great amount of damage that was done, but number two, the building was still standing. <laughs> and uh, when we replaced the roof, 85, almost 90% of the roof deck was still intact from 1863. We didn't have to hardly do any patching except one little area on both sides next to the towers where the water had gotten in and just rotted everything out. But And, and those bricks, now some of them fallen out of the building, but the ones we were able to retrieve, we were able to put back in the building. Uh, the The simple thing is, Jesus has not changed his message since he ascended into heaven. Amen? He's got a promise of a return. We have no new doctrine. We're, we're still trying to do, and do the same things that Jesus told us to do. It's not, what would Jesus do? It's, what would Jesus have me do? Amen? There's a difference there. There's a real difference. I can do the second. I cannot do the first. If I try to pretend that I'm Jesus Christ, guess what? I'm going to end up like David Koresh, the wacko from Waco, Sung Young Moon, uh, the nutcase uh, who thought he was Jesus and fixing Jesus' problems. But if I will simply get my direction and my measurements... It says, ye also as living stones. Now, what's the next phrase? Are built up. And you know what? You don't build anything. Well, let me rephrase this. You shouldn't build anything without a plan. Amen? Uh, if you're going to build something, you better figure out what you're building before you start. Unless it's Legos, then you're okay. Uh, if, if you just want to sit down and put Legos together to see what weird contraption you can come up with, be, be my guest. Enjoy. Uh, but if you're going to build anything that, that is going to be serviceable in any way, you're going to have to start out with a plan now, aren't you? You're going to have to start out with some measurements. You're going to have to start out with a purpose I mean, people have built things and you, and you say, 
What, what is that? It's ex- an expression of my innermost... Uh, yeah, don't go any further. I, I can tell by this thing you call art that whatever your innermost is, I don't want to know any more about it than I already do. Uh, looking at this weird contortion and splattered paint and... Uh, you got to be full of confusion and all kinds of... That's why this modern art is so perverse. That's why the modern music is so much garbage. is because it is a reflection of what's inside. But you see, the Christian never doesn't have to go there. Because I can get a brand new inside from Jesus Christ. Amen? He makes every measurement. If he is the chief cornerstone and I'm a living stone, I'm supposed to be measured from him. And if we are the building material, then someone else has to be the builder. Right? Yes? I know that's... Preacher, you... you, you. I'm not trying to be sarcastic here. I'm trying to get us to really... Get a hold of this truth because we don't get it. I don't know how many well-meaning Christians I have met over the years. Well, we've got to do something. We've, got to, uh, we've had preachers come in here and say, Well, man, you've got to fill this building up. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. Oh, wait a minute. What's my part? I'm a stone. I'm a living stone. I'm built into the wall. Last time I checked, bricks don't get a chance to pick where they're going to be put. How many of you know how a brick wall works? What makes it so strong? It's not just one layer of bricks that run up the front. A a normal brick wall... A, a standard brick wall is three inch, three bricks thick. And they will take certain bricks and they will turn them different directions and offset all of the joints so that when brick over here in the bottom corner feels stress of the ground moving underneath of it, it pulls all the way back to the other corner of the wall. That's why brick walls are so flexible and so strong and why... They stand for such a long time. But the bricks don't get to pick where they go. You know, some of those bricks have not seen the light of day since 1863 when they were put inside the wall. And you know what? I'm glad about that. Because if they had, that would mean the wall was falling apart. Which it has in several places, and we put it back together. Amen? But... We're lively stones. We're built up. That means Christ puts you where He wants you. He is the builder. We're the material. So don't get all excited about what you've done. Because you didn't do anything but sit there. If you're doing your job as a Christian. Sometimes people say, what, what else can I do? Be a stone. In the wall. Don't move. Don't change. Don't let people pull you out. Don't let the forces that are in this world draw you away. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away. What? Of his own lust. And enticed. You know, we've had... I just found out, even now, I'm still finding out the extent of... The attack that has been against our church. People in other churches trying to draw people away from our church. And they've succeeded somewhat. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to be living stones. Put in the wall by the master builder. The chief cornerstone. Every measurement coming from Jesus Christ. Can we say amen to that? Do you believe that? Do you believe in that? You see, that's what this verse is talking about here. And and see, we're built up a spiritual house. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time today because we're running out of time, but if you can't see that that's talking about church, 
uh, let me offer you a new set of readers or something. I mean, that's talking about church, is it not? Jesus said, I will build my church. And Peter says, listen, he is the chief cornerstone and ye are the little stones, the living stones, because the church is a living organization and Jesus is the builder and he's putting us together a spiritual house. We have a plan. We have a purpose. We have some direction. We have an organization. We have an order. And all of it is outlined in the pages of this book called the Bible. Written long before any of us were ever born. We're not doing anything new. We're imitating. We're just following the directions that Jesus gave us. Amen? And then it says, and holy priesthood. Now you have to understand this. What he's talking about here. He says that we have a spiritual house. This is the church. You can't go any other place to any other thing in your Bible without corrupting the message of the Scripture. Now, how's this holy priesthood thing work? Well, let's just take a moment. What is a priest? A priest is one who stands between man who cannot contact God and God. That, that's what a priest does. People often say, uh, well, what, what do I call you? This is a, I've never been to a church like this. Are you a priest? And, and I want to go, oh, yes. But that, no. Uh, not in what you're thinking of. Because I, as the pastor, do not stand between you and God. We only have one high priest that makes the connection. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the chief cornerstone. He's the master builder. He, he is the one that puts us in place. He's the one that's brought us together and, and, and working with us. And it says in holy priesthood. You know what that means? That means that this church is supposed to be a connection between God and the unsaved world. Now, where can I go in Scripture to get that? Well, just about every page. Amen. I mean, it's, it's, it is, again, an enduring theme. The, the connection between God and, and, the, and, and the world, He's, this is what Jesus said. And let me read you another very difficult verse to understand. 1 John four seventeen. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in the world. I'll tell you what, I have not read one commentary, and I've read hundreds over the years, trying to see if anybody got anything out of this verse that made sense. But as he is, so are we in the world. Guess what? That's what the holy priesthood is all about. It is taking the message of Jesus to the world. That's what Jesus did, didn't he? He took God's message to the world. He died on the cross. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. But He's got a job for us to do. He's building us a, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. And here's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Now, what are some spiritual sacrifices? Well, how about the money our church just gave away at the home missions conference? Let me tell you, I'll show you the books if you want to see them. That was a sacrifice. We, we, I took everything out of every account I could find, and we had a special offering last Sunday, and we took that and gave it too. Why? Uh, because we want to do something spiritually pleasing to God. And helping people start churches is part of our business. We've given over $100,000 to missions this year. Not one penny of that stayed here. All of that has gone into establishing churches all around the world and in the United States. We count that as missions too. Because it is. Guess what? That's a spiritual sacrifice. 
Have we seen some people surrender to baptism and church membership this year? Not as many as I'd like, never as many as I'd like. But if there were as many as I'd like, I don't know if we could handle it all. So we'll just trust the Lord with that because he's the builder, not us. Amen? Have we seen some people get saved this year? Yes, we have. Is that a spiritual sacrifice? If you take the gospel to someone who needs it, guess what? You're being obedient to Christ. You're taking your time and your life effort and investing it in service to God. Spiritual sacrifices. We'll talk more, but we're trying to get the big picture today. You see, nothing new here. You've heard me preach these subjects. If you've been around the church, I've preached on everything I'm preaching on today. I, I couldn't tell you how many times. But I'll tell you what. Jesus was both the sacrifice and the high priest. We're to be like him in that we are built up the spiritual house or the temple and the holy priesthood that offers up the daily sacrifices. A much lesser position than our great high priest. But Jesus only offered one sacrifice. He wants us to offer many sacrifices. You think that's what he meant when he said greater works than this shall you do? He wasn't talking that we'll do greater works than he did in salvation. He's talking about the amount of things that we would do, the longevity of the time, the continuance that from the personal earthly ministry of Jesus Christ to this day in 2018, there has been a continuance of a church that was organized and serving Jesus and that church is not one vast organization spreading out all over the world, but independent local assemblies, each one a complete and total representation of Jesus Christ as its head, the members as its body, serving Him. You see, that's the only way Jesus can still be in charge of His church is if each church individually reports to him. And by the way, if he's the builder, guess what? I've got responsibility as a stone to stay where I'm put. You see, I'm a living stone. Living stones get to... Sometimes they open their mouth and they say things they ought not say, huh? Ever, anybody ever did that? Anybody guilty of that in this auditorium this morning? Anybody ever get frustrated? I'm not doing enough. For, uh, I want to do more. I, I don't like my position or where I... Hey, wait a minute. Will you let Jesus put you where he wants you and just stay? Don't move. Don't change. Don't be drawn out. Don't be drawn... Don't be discouraged. Boy, Brother Sam preached a fabulous message Tuesday night about discouragement. Uh, I'll try to get those. Uh, oh, Andrew's not up here to remind me, but somebody will. We, we will get those messages on a, on a thumb drive, and then you can copy them off onto your MP3 player or whatever. And, uh, and I want you to pray about that. That's something that I really want to advance this year is is having the opportunity to take those messages with you. Maybe we'll just buy a bunch of cheap MP3 players and load them up here at the church. Uh, we've done that for people in the hospital, uh, especially people who are dying. Uh, we've done that over the years as they have these last months, giving them a MP3 player full of godly music and sermons and things that they can just listen to even though they may not even be fully conscious at the time. And uh, but we're hoping better of you, Amen. And, and, and so that we'll try to get these things so that you can get there. But listen, you see, the only way you and I can do anything acceptable to God is through Jesus Christ. That's our commitment. That's our goal. That's what we're struggling to do. 
to be that living stone. Just put where the Savior wants me to be. One of the sermons they preached was on great stories of faith. And the preacher was preaching, go out and make up your own stories. Live for, do something fantastic. Yeah, yeah, okay, well, wait a minute. I, there, there is a truth there and there is a challenge to be had, but can, can I tell you that the greatest stories are never sought by the person who tells them? In fact, he referenced in his sermon, Union Baptist on several occasions, uh, referring to my lack of sanity and other things like that. And, and uh, I would tend to agree with him wholeheartedly, but you know something? We never sought Union Baptist Church. We weren't looking for that, were we? In fact, how many remember when I said, okay, here we go. It is going to be a rough ride. And it has been. But you see, I want to be that stone where Jesus put me. And what we've done at Union, we want to offer up Open Door Bible Baptist. We've invested more than any other single church has invested. We've had some individuals give us some great offerings, but as far as churches go, we've invested a great deal. And we're still paying them. We've only got a few months to go. We'll talk about that next Sunday night in our business meeting. But why do we do it? Because we want to offer up a spiritual sacrifice. Not as a testimony to how smart and great we are but a testimony to how great our God is. He has a purpose. He has a plan. He's got it all worked out. And you'll find it if you just be still enough to let Him put you where He wants to put you and stay there. It's one thing I love about Cleveland Baptist, my sending church, is when we go back, is we see all these people we knew. You know, that was 27 years ago. We left Cleveland Baptist to start deputation to come. And there are still people there. Many of them were there 15 and 20 years uh, when we were there. That makes them little old people in wheelchairs. No, not all of them, but uh, I'll tell you what. Living stones stuck where Christ puts you. And guess what? That makes you like Christ. He is the rock. He says, you get to imitate me as a living stone. And as I have not changed, I don't want you to change. As I have remained the same, I want you to remain constant and faithful to me and my word and my church. Stay where you're put. You see, ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Christ Jesus and all God's people said. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you as a church today and Lord, it's not that we're not focused. It's not that we're not trying. It's not that we're not doing anything. It's just that Lord, we want to make 2018 a year that we purposefully remember these words. And as you, the master builder, would give us ability, we want to live them. Lord, we want you to do extraordinary things, and certainly you have in the past for this church and through this church, but Lord... We, we do not want to dictate to you. We want you to dictate to us. And we have to believe by your character and by your word that you are still interested in saving souls. You're still interested in people leaving the world and becoming those living stones and put into your church 
you're still interested in extraordinary sacrifices and extraordinary blessings. And Lord, I think I speak for our church this morning that we don't want to miss those. We want to be a willing participant as much as our human flesh will allow. And Lord, we're asking that your Holy Spirit would work in our lives to to corral, to hinder our human spirit and give your Holy Spirit freedom to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ through our church. That we would be that spiritual house. That we would offer up those sacrifices as in holy priesthood. That they would be acceptable, our songs, our special music, our offerings. But most of all, Lord, our individual hearts, that together you would meld them and make something that only you could take credit for. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand together. The hymn of invitation.